everyone, and welcome back to the Reclaimed Podcast. My name is Ellie Herringshaw, and welcome. It's in this podcast that we talk about active and practical ways that we can step into healing to allow God to heal us in every facet of our life. He has already extended that healing to us, and sometimes we just have to receive it and step in. And today, we're going to be talking about physical healing, and I'm so stoked. Buckle your seatbelts. I'm with Mark Halstensgaard. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. I'm so excited that you're here. You have shared your story quite a few times at my church. I go to Grove Community Church, and you've done a lot of teaching there. I'm so excited to learn so much from you today, and um, and hopefully my my listeners as well. So welcome. Thank you. Excited to yeah. share my story. Why don't you give like a little overview about what you do um, and who you are? Yeah, so I went to Northwestern College and studied business. And so I'm in the business world. I'm a financial planner. Mm -hmm. Um, So I work for a Christian company helping people with finances. So I've been doing that for about eight years. So that's my main job. Live in St. Anthony, so right here in the cities, and do a lot of work with Grove Community Church, like you mentioned. Yeah, and we also went we went to college together. Which we did. We never we interacted. Never interacted. <laughs> yeah, which was bizarre. But, yeah, crazy. You know, go Eagles. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good place to go it to was school. A great school. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I remember you sharing your story. I think it was probably last spring. Yes. We were talking about the sovereignty of God. Yes. I think it was such a powerful message, and um, I went back and listened to the podcast. I think probably like twice. <laughs> um, and I'll definitely link, link that in the show notes because it's so good. Um, and just full of scripture and God wants to heal us, right? Like yes. he has already done it. Why don't you just dive in and let's go? Yeah. So my healing story started back in 2007 in October. It actually started with a broken collarbone. So it was a football game and as the first play of the game I was running back I got tackled and was this up, in high school Sorry. this was in high school yeah okay. so it would have been my senior year okay got tackled ended up breaking my collarbone in three places oof and so normally they just let collarbones kind of heal on its own but yeah. it was a big enough break that they had to go in and do surgery so I still to this day have a plate and eight screws in my shoulder okay um so they went put that all in and everything kind of seemed fine right away but about three weeks into the surgery, I started waking up and there was blood and pus on my, oh my undershirt. Gosh. And so we called down to the doctor and they're like, yep, no, nothing to worry about there. This is pretty normal. Not something you want to hear, but I'm like, you know, way more than I do right. about things like this. <laughs> right. So I'll take your word for it. But another week passed and I woke up and all of a sudden there was a hole in my scar and you could see right down to the plate of where they just put the plate in my collarbone. Oh my gosh. And so I was like, this isn't normal. Thankfully, my team had a football game that night and the trainer for the other school we were playing was my surgeon actually. So I was like, great, this is perfect timing. (laughs) What are the chances? (laughs) Yeah, yes, exactly. So I went to the game, went over and showed him and he's like, we need to do emergency surgery on you because you most likely have infections. So I had like a five or six in the morning surgery the next morning. They kind of cleared rooms out for me to go in and get surgery to scrub all of my plates out, all the screws, make sure everything was all cleaned up. So I had surgery and they're like, we're doing some cultures to see if any infections show up. And they said it takes about three days in order to see the results for that. The first like two days and 23 hours, literally nothing showed up. And we were all just like, what in the world is going on here? It just looked bad and nothing showing up. Weird. Finally, they came back in and said, yeah, you actually have six infections in your body, including a staph infection. 
And so... And that's not good. Yeah, definitely not that's good. That's not good. Definitely not good. But one thing that was nice is we knew something was wrong, mm-hmm. and they were at least able to figure out what it was at that point and get a game plan going forward of how to take care of it. Right. So they got all the scrubbing done in the surgery right before that, but then they came in and put a pick line, which is basically just a thing up my arm to my heart where antibiotics could get fed. Hmm. So that was being pumped to my entire body because they didn't know where everything, where all the infections were. So that took like two hours for them to thread that up to my heart. Hmm. Then got that put in and started all of my antibiotics, which I had going about twice a day for two and a half hours for about a month. And everything seemed to be going well there, but about three weeks to a month in, I started to get what looked like a rash or acne or bad sunburn Hmm. kind of on my chest and on my face. And so I went back into the doctor and they're like, yep, this is normal. You're just having a little reaction to Hmm. it. As long as you don't get a fever, then there's nothing to worry about. Hmm. So I didn't have a fever for a couple of days. They switched me to a little bit of a different medication. And then a couple of days after being switched to this new medication, I ended up having a 103 degree fever. And they said, if that ever happens, just go right down to the emergency room. So rushed down to the emergency room at Methodist Hospital, and there wasn't any rooms open in the entire hospital. Wow. And once they heard the medication I was on, they rushed me into kind of like a waiting room, and that's when things really started to get bad, where the rash on my body ended up moving in the span of about two to three hours to my entire body until it covered 95% of my body. And... There wasn't any place in the whole hospital, and it was about five in the morning now. And I remember my dad praying of saying, Lord, we really need a room right now. You need to work a miracle. Literally all he said. Yeah. All of a sudden, two minutes later, a nurse walks in and goes, we don't know what happened. A room just opened up. And so I got moved up to a room, yeah, which was huge to in order to start getting comfortable. They still had no idea what was going on, but brought in a nurse or a specialist, a skin specialist, and they felt that I had a disease, what was called Steven Johnson syndrome. Hmm. And so there's four places on your body that this rash needs to start going to in order for it to kind of go into that severe of a case. So they looked on my body and I had it on all four areas. Oh, wow. And they're like, this is going to start getting really serious and we can't actually treat you at this hospital. So we're going to have to move you to regions to go into the burn unit because what this disease does is it starts off as a rash, but then your skin turns to blisters and then your skin falls off your entire body. And so then they have to start kind of treating it once it falls off. Also not great. Yeah. Also not (laughs) great. Also not, not great and not ideal. Not, not ideal at all. Uh, and I remember the very first night, so I was actually in hospice at that point. Wow. The very first night I was there, one of the most surreal experiences I, I ever had, I was sitting there, and this was before we knew that I had this disease that was probably mm. going to kill me. And in the matter of like three minutes, my entire life flashed before my eyes. What I would relate it to a little bit is when Satan was tempting Jesus and it hmm. said that in a moment's time he showed him all the kingdoms of the, oh the my earth. Gosh. So yeah. just able to like see a lot in a very short period of time. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like that, like a vision of my entire life. Was passed. it was it 
um, the, the vision of your entire life prior to this prior. point. Wow. Yeah. And I came to the conclusion at that point that I'd been building my life on things that didn't matter at all. Hmm. And so I built a lot of my identity around sports, around academics, yeah. earthly accomplishments and things like that. Yeah. And I remember being like, I'm going to die and I'm going to have lived a life hmm. that, you know, maybe there's some impact on people, but I could have done a lot more. Yeah. yeah. And so then when the nurse came in and told me that I actually was dying, something really struck home. And I was like, I just want to make it out alive to, you know, spend more time with family, friends, with the yeah. Lord, and start to build things on something that actually lasts and not on temporary accomplishments. Right, right. So that happened that night, and then the next morning, I got moved over to Regions Burn Unit. Mm. And so I was in a room that was basically all glass. I was monitored 24-7, hooked up to everything under the sun. Good grief. And things really started to get out of control at that point. So at this point, the rash was on about 95% of my body, mm. but then it kept getting worse and worse so that skin started falling off oh all over word. my body. A good chunk of my body, all the skin turned black. Um, I ended up going blind in my right eye. Uh, and then it started going into my internal organs and started oh to eat eat those up. And this is the, the nature of what this disease does. It's just, it, is, it just eats away. It just eats away. But normally it's only on one person's part of their body. Okay. Usually their mouth or like their hands. Okay. And so to have it on 95% of my body... That must have been excruciating. It was terrible. And the hard part was because this was happening due to the reaction to the antibiotics I had been feeding into my body, like into my heart for the past month, they had to take everything out and they couldn't give me anything other than water because they had to let my body flush myself of everything. So I had to go through everything without pain meds. Uh, or oh without gosh. being knocked out. Yeah. And so not only was it just excruciating pain, but there was like a mental torture and torment yeah. that went on with it. Yeah. And I couldn't sleep at all because my breathing would always drop too low that alarms would start to go oh off. Oh my gosh. And yeah. so I remember turning to my mom the very first day at Regions and saying, Mom, how long have I been here? like four or five days and she goes no we're not even eight hours into oh being at wow Regions. and so time just stood still right it was a lot of me just sitting in bed either just not talking or just screaming from kind of the yeah. pain that was going on so yeah can't even imagine that it was just just terrible and yeah. things kept getting worse and worse then they tried one medication on me that ended up they said it's basically like chemotherapy, but sped up. And mm. so that created a lot of other really adverse effects in my body because prior to that, I was getting close to dying from too high of blood pressure. Mm. But this medication in the span of about five minutes brings your body to the opposite end of the spectrum. Mm. And so then I w- they had to monitor me because I was getting close to dying from too low of blood pressure. So to kind of go from extreme... One extreme to the other, yeah. In a very short period of time, then it makes you incredibly ill and incredibly sick, plus the fact that all of your skin is falling off and you're being 
basically eaten alive without pain meds. Yeah. It was just, it was getting to a point that the doctors basically said that I had probably less than 10 days to live. Wow. And so they were, they were telling you that. Yeah. What, what was going through your head then? So that was one of the worst moments of my life. So my parents were troopers through the entire thing. I mean, I cannot even imagine what it was like for them to see their to see their kid go through something like that. And you're just a senior in high school. Senior in high school. And Unreal. So they never broke in front of me, which gave me a lot of strength. They okay. were always never cried in front of me. Wow. Never looked or said anything like not positive, which really helped me going through. But so they had been with me now for like five days straight and they went out to grab a bite to eat for literally 20 minutes because they said the doctor wouldn't be there. But the doctor ended up showing up when both my parents were gone for the 20 minutes. Okay. And that's when the head doctor over the entire burn unit told me that I had this disease that I was going to probably die in about 10 days and my parents weren't there. Oh my word. And so my parents came back to me being basically an emotional wreck, even though I already was before. Yeah. And they were really upset that they weren't there when the doctor told me. Right. Yeah. I would, I'd probably be too. (laughs) But the doctor's response was, how old is your son? And they're like 18. They're like, he's old enough to be told uh, without having to have a parent present. Yeah. And so that was Thanksgiving Day of 2007 was basically the day that my family and I thought that I wasn't going to make it. Yeah. And things kind of kept progressing, getting worse and worse. But I had tons and tons of people praying for me. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I want to say it was maybe three days after Thanksgiving, I woke up and like 50% of everything on my body was all gone. Like all of the, all, well, everything on my back was just gone. All of a sudden I was wow. able to start see again, seeing again. So I was still in the intensive care. They kept me there for a couple more days, yeah. but it progressed enough that they ended up moving me to more of a private room is still in the intensive okay. care of the burn unit, but not 24 seven, like monitoring. Wow. And is this the nature of the, does this happen with this disease at all? No. So what they told me is regions And then one hospital in New York get the majority of the cases. Hmm. Regions has seen 30 cases in the last 25 years from when I had been there. So Um, super rare. Super rare. And I had the most severe form they had ever seen being on the majority of my body. Yeah. And they said it. you either battle it for months and months until you get better. Wow. Or it just kills you. There's kind of not really... There's not an in-between. Not an in-between at all. And so then I got, I progressed enough, I got moved to this more private room, was in there for maybe three or four days. Yeah. Then they discharged me. After three or four days? Yeah, in that room. Yeah, because I had progressed enough. Uh, There wasn't any kind of lingering things in my, there was lingering things, but nothing serious in my body that they let me go home. I had one checkup after that. Um, and haven't had to go back ever since. So it was a total miracle. Praise the Lord. That is crazy. Yeah, huge miracle. To the point that the doctors came back in and said, we don't know if you actually had this disease because it just doesn't go away like that. What? Yeah, they were all just in total shock of what had happened. 
That is amazing. I mean, that is a, that is an absolute miracle. Absolute miracle. There, there's so many things that I want to address in this in in this conversation. I mean, praise the Lord, number one, yes. and then the fact that you can also give the glory to God in yes. that is just beautiful. Talk about what healing looked like for you after this point. This was not just the physical healing of your body. There's also a lot more healing that needed to take place. A lot more that needed to take place and still needs to take place. This was a traumatic experience. I mean, you were told you were going to die. Incredibly traumatic. And so when I was still in the burn unit, I remember thinking, I just want to get out of here alive, which was, was true. So I got healed, and I would say at that point, I didn't have tons of mental or emotional things I felt like I needed to walk through. Hmm. I was just so happy to be healed. Yeah. But then you get back into the real world and you start to see a lot of the things that popped up as a result of this disease and how it affected my life. So things like I had opportunities to play Division I in baseball and football. All of those were gone now. Why was that? uh, Injuries and my body being... The shoulder? My, the shoulder. So okay. as a pitcher, that was a pitching okay. shoulder. But then one of the kind of lingering effects of this disease that I had is it took about two and a half to three years for the like stamina of my mm. body to get back to normal. And so then all of a sudden I tried to play like baseball that spring and I wasn't nearly the player I was beforehand. Right. So all these opportunities mm. that I had all of a sudden are taken away. Wow. One of the other things that happened, I think it was a combination of things, the high fever that I had for a couple of weeks uh, zapped my brain. So Hmm. I would say a good chunk of my life prior to being sick, unless it was something that was like a really big event, I don't remember. So a lot of my first 18 mm. years of life is very, very foggy. Yeah. Some of that has gotten a little better the farther out I've gotten from this. But I also had to relearn a lot of things in school, which was really hard. Wow. So I took school schooling very seriously. Right, because, you, yeah, you had said that you had built your life on a lot of accomplishments, including academics. I remember going back to my it was AP statistics class, and it Part of the equation I was trying to figure out was just simple addition. And this was like my first day back. And I remember I was like, I don't even know how to add anymore. Hmm. So literally starting over from ground zero, which was really hard. It must have been super discouraging. Very discouraging. Um, I mean, statistics, it can be discouraging. AP statistics (laughs) can be. And then if you have to go go back to (laughs) figuring out simple math, that must have been so hard. Especially because before I got sick, I definitely tried hard, but things did come naturally in terms of remembering things, figuring things out. And so to go to the completely opposite end of the spectrum was really a gut punch. Yeah, I'm sure. So between that, between sports not being who I was beforehand, Hmm. scholarship offers taken away, people now treating me differently because one of the things that I figured out quickly is that a lot of people treat you depending on what you can provide for them. So they're nice to you if you're able to win them football games, baseball games. Mm. And then all of a sudden when you're not able to do that anymore, things shift. 
Yeah. Which was very discouraging too. Yeah. Because it seemed like some of the friendships I had built were built on, they just wanted things from me and mm-hmm. it wasn't really what I could give them as an actual friend or person. So yeah, very discouraging time. And that continued to get worse, I would say, over the next couple of years because what had happened going to Northwestern was they'd written all these articles about me from Hmm. prior sports accomplishments and magazines. So you were the sport guy. I was a sport guy, yep. And so when I decided to go to Northwestern in Roseville, it was considered like a huge recruiting win because this guy who could go play X, Y, or Z places is going to come to Northwestern. And so they put in basically every accomplishment I had under my son in an article, which started to build a lot of buzz. Uh, And then when they realized that I couldn't perform, again, huge letdown that people then kind of started talking uh, and things like that. And it was just very discouraging from the standpoint of, trying to get myself out of a place of not working to like earn approval. Yeah. And I started to see that that mindset from a lot of this Hmm. has also brought over into my walk with the Lord of where it's like, if I'm doing good things, I feel like the Lord approves of me right? and things like that. But I think that's a pretty common, you know, a pretty common thought. It's a yeah. it's a very common thought, but all of these things kind of reinforce that in my yeah. life because there was these gigantic shifts and swings of people's friendship towards me or t- or scouts talking to me. Yeah. Of right when you're not able to do something, everything just shuts down, mm-hmm. and then people start talking poorly about you, which starts to feed into a lot of like emotional type things. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Did you feel shame? I wouldn't necessarily say shame. Okay. Uh, I feel like it was more just, I don't know, maybe it is called shame. I just didn't want to let people down. Okay, yeah. Because hmm. people... Because they had expectations. Correct. And Which for able- 18 years of my life, I was able to live up to. Wow. And more or less not let anyone down. Then I started to go into a multiple year stretch where it seemed like that's the only thing I did, which hmm. just always fell short. always fell short. So what did that look like in college then um, in terms of how you then related to other people? Yeah, so I thankfully was able to find a group of friends that I felt were truly my friends for Hmm. wanting to know me. It didn't matter what I was able to bring to the table or anything like that. I only ended up playing two years of baseball at Northwestern. Hmm. That ended up being primarily because my brother played his junior and senior year so I wanted to play with him oh nice and so it wasn't as much of me being competitive and trying to play yeah it was more trying to more of the relation more of the relational aspect exactly so then when he was done I called it quits on all sports because my body literally felt like it just wanted to die not literally because I know I just got done talking about (laughs) Sitting in hot, but it just felt so bad. Yeah. And I had pushed it a lot. Right. And it didn't do what it could before. So I decided to to hang up everything in terms Mm. of the sports realm and then focus on kind of growing in my relationship with the Lord. Yeah. uh, Which I had done my freshman, sophomore year too, but that's kind of where I devoted a lot of my attention after that. Yeah. And 
that definitely had its pros and cons yeah in terms of his great i gained a lot of ground in my relationship with the lord hmm. but there was a lot of barriers and lies of the enemy that as i was doing that popped up from when i got sick and things like yeah. that and it was just very hard to deal with because one i didn't necessarily have all the truth or answers to everything hmm. and all of my mentors in the faith had all graduated and okay. moved to different places. Hmm. So I felt kind of alone in hmm. terms of like trying to walk through that. And so I did Walking through those lies to find, to find the truth. Exactly. Okay. And so that's something now that I'd say I've put a focus on, especially the last couple of years of years mm. being at Grove being around people who just have so much wisdom yeah and biblical truth and things yeah. like that being able to talk through lies that I know that I'm believing that most of them stem from this illness that I had as well as all of the ramifications and impact on my entire life and just being able to get people to speak truth into that and I've yeah. seen a lot of good breakthrough I just know Praise that there's God. a lot more that needs hmm. to happen as well, yeah. which is which is great because there's always more truth that I can take in. Yeah, we can't take we can't take in enough truth. Exactly. We, but 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 again, this goes also goes back to we have to be able to identify the thing that needs the healing. Yes. And um and so a, a big part of that is even just identify the lie that we may not even know is a lie. Like yeah. a big one is that God allowed this to happen. Yes. To teach you something yes and that's something that is a lie that is taught throughout the church and and you know you can argue that you've learned a lot probably i've i've learned a lot i've had a lot of opportunities as a result of it so from my sports success after i got healed i was able to have a lot of newspaper articles written about yeah. me being able to like talk to magazine producers wow. because they wanted to hear what had happened to me, but I was able to bring God into the equation and cool. get, get my testimony published in a lot of very secular places. That's amazing. Which was really cool. Um, but yeah, that, that was a big lie that the Lord gave me this to teach me something. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully I got rid of that one pretty early on. Okay. That's great. I was able to, find some teachers around healing yeah. that I started to learn a lot from and started to see that that's an absolute lie from the pit of hell. Yep. And so that was chucked out, but a lot more of it, I'd say one of the big ones that got broken a couple of years ago was the promise that God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Oh, bring it. Let's talk about that one. <laughs> yeah. Because when I was sitting in the burn unit and in hospice, I've never been to hell, but I would imagine mm. that it's as close to hell on earth wow. as it could be. Yeah. And so I just Physically felt and emotionally and spiritually, like all you're of just it. just broken yeah. all the way around. And I just felt so much darkness hmm. during my time there. And I remember being like, Lord, you said that you would never leave me nor forsake me. And this was the big thing that I had. I said... My earthly parents, who they're the greatest parents ever, but they're not perfect. I said, yeah. my earthly parents literally didn't leave the hospital for weeks on end. Yeah. Where were you during this entire time? Ooh. Literally no peace at all during any of this. Wow. And so I had wrestled with that big time yeah. because then it was like, 
okay, that seems to be a pretty fundamental promise. And if I can't trust you on that one, how can I trust you on anything else? Or how can I trust you if I'm going to open up my emotions to let you come and heal them? (laughs) That you'll actually be kind enough and gentle enough to come in and start doing work. Because in my most vulnerable point you weren't there you weren't there correct so the the truth that came in so i remember i was talking with josh and katie crable our pastors at grove about this at their house and josh said no god was there he was there in the form of your parents and that something really broke there because i had known that the lord works through you know their his sons and daughters on the earth Yes. And so he was there. He speaks through them. Speaks through them, acts through them, Hmm. partners with them. Totally. You know, we're co-labors with Christ, so we do everything in tandem. Yeah. And I remember when he said that, it was that lie just absolutely broke off because Hmm. I could see the love of the Lord just flowing through my parents. All the, The amount of things my parents did for me, especially during that time, I can't even put it into words. Yeah. Like they literally did every, I couldn't get up, do anything. I was a mess the entire time. They never asked one question, just anything that I ever needed. Wow, that's amazing. They always, they always did it. And yeah. Which was phenomenal. And so I started to see like, yes, that is what God's love does hmm. look like. That was his actual physical presence being there with me. And so I learned a big lesson from that one of, Sometimes rather than just trying to process through a lot of this either on my own or just with my own kind of hmm. angle with everything, of just bringing other wiser people into the thoughts or lies that I'm believing. Community. Com- exactly. It's community. We cannot community. do this alone. Exactly. And breaking off lies sometimes sometimes requires saying it, saying yes. it out loud to someone and then someone being like, Nope, that's a lie. <laughs> that's uh, yes. let's let's talk about that and let's address it and let's replace that with truth. Exactly. Yeah. And then even just being able to have community look at it from different angles than from yourself because yeah, I know how I look at my entire life, but especially the situation is just always through my vision. Yes. And there's other things that I don't necessarily yes. see, and so having yeah. like a a second set of eyes on it. Yeah like with Josh and Katie saying, no, it was your parents, Hmm. just that truth coming in from a different perspective, but connected a lot of dots of things that I had already known, just like my parents were always there, Right. that that was able to bring just so much freedom into my life and kind of started, I would say, a process of letting the Lord in more and more of starting to deal with these other lies, bringing yes. other people in to talk about different and, things, and and even well. just open up your heart to receive healing in in the emotional aspects of that from the Lord. Exactly. To say, okay, actually, Lord, you were you were there in this form. A lot of times when we go through these kinds of things, we have a hard time trusting God. Yes. Like it is that's just fundamental. We have yes. to trust God, but we have to get to the point where we can do that. Yep. We have to be able to open up our heart enough so that we can actually do that. Addressing the trust issues, the abandonment issues that yeah. that come along with the pain that we've experienced that he actually didn't leave us or forsake us. And I I just think of like, I'm sure your parents would have done anything to take away your pain. Like they would have, I'm sure they would say like, 
I would take this on myself. Like I would do that. That is the heart of God in it yes. too. He's like, I will do anything to stop this pain. And he healed you. Yes. You're here today. I'm here. Your skin is on your body. And my skin is here. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. I want you to talk a little bit about when that doesn't happen to people. People, people die. People do die. So let's, let's dig into some theology here. Why do, why does God not heal all the time? How about that question? <laughs> yeah. I would personally say that that is either the wrong question to ask yep. or the wrong way to phrase it. Mm-hmm. Because that's, we, a, that's a question we hear. Yes. First mm-hmm. Peter 2.24, by Christ's stripes, we were healed. Amen. And that's a past tense. Yeah. So for all healing, anyone who gets healed today, the work has already been done 2,000 years ago. Yeah. So God now is not in the healing business. He, he, he already healed 2,000 yeah. years ago, just like he already forgave sins 2,000 years ago. Mm. When someone comes to the Lord, Jesus doesn't die on a cross again. The price has already yes. been paid. Yep. So when people are sick, it is the enemy stealing what Christ rightfully purchased. So that's where, mm. you know, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Yep. Christ comes to give life and life more abundantly. So all sickness is, is Satan stealing healing. Hmm. So that's why Jesus said from the days of John the Baptist till now, the kingdom suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. Hmm. And I think that that's what's going on is that anytime someone's sick, it is the kingdom of God suffering violence because a thief has come in and stole healing. And it's up to the body of Christ to become spiritually violent. Yes. To take it back. Yeah. yeah. To take it back to to say, Satan, this isn't yours anymore. Yep. I'm going to bind that on earth and in heaven and then release health into their body. Yeah. Yeah. And the great thing is, is we don't have to wor- wonder or worry about, is God going to say yes to this? Because he already he said. He already did it. He did. <laughs> he already did it. He and it's, it. yeah, this is, this is the, the reclaiming that we talk about yes. on this podcast. It's about, it's about taking, taking it back. Yep. Taking by, ground and taking Because it's already, been, it's already been given to us. It's already been extended to us. So it's our job to then accept it and exactly. receive it. Yes. yes. And then walk into it. It's not just about taking away the lies it's filling it with something too yep. which which is exactly yeah, what jesus just, said that yeah, you can cast saying. out the demon yeah. <laughs> sweep it but if you don't fill it with anything right things are just going to get worse mm-hmm. and seven more are going to come back seven right? more or the one who hears and doesn't do anything he'll liken yeah. it to a person who builds his house on sand so you could have received this healing you did receive this healing yes. but then not continuing to renew your mind the the healing was extended beyond just that hospital room exactly physically as well as i'd say after that primarily mentally and emotionally mm-hmm. and that's definitely an area that i'm continuing to grow in yeah because it's one of those things that it's just sometimes not fun to deal with right <laughs> And because now right. it's, what, 10, 11 years past when mm. it actually happened, sometimes I'm like, ah, let's just kind of throw it in the background yeah. and kind of keep plowing forward. Right. But then I realize, no, I, you need to get to the core of some of those lies yep. because those will start to spread into other areas of your life 100%. in terms of if you believe that in one of the major areas in your life, 
it'll start to creep into even other minor areas and will just start to affect you yeah. or your relationship with the Lord. So it's good to deal with it. Uh, and I would not be a great example of someone that's maybe been as proactive as I should hmm. in dealing with some of that just because it's it's been just such a brutal process yeah. that, again, sometimes it's been nice to just not have to think about it. Yeah. Because one of the things that's kind of stinks about the disease that I had is there's always reminders of it hmm. all all the time. It's very hard to escape hmm. all of the kind of lingering like effects of it, even though I'm not on any medications or yeah. anything like that. But it's always just a reminder of hmm. the worst time of my life as well as everything that got taken away from me. Hmm. So because that's always happening, I don't always feel a great desire to dive more into what's going on and mm. exposing stuff but that in and of itself is just another big lie it's so dumb <laughs> but it's it's really easy to believe that lie it's, vi- it's, it's very really easy so when that so when that happens when those triggers come up what is I mean we're getting we're getting practical yeah what um you have maybe a tendency to maybe sweep it under the rug what is God calling you to do to step into those things so one of the things I did maybe a year to year and a half ago was actually let other people know what's going on. Because I'd say... What a concept. Oh yeah, it's what so a, hard, but it, that's so important. It's very important. One of the reasons why I felt like I never did it was, again, this idea of we live in a society that you always have to kind of be at your best all of the time. Yep. The achievement society. The, the yeah. achievement society. Hmm. And... So I don't think I told anyone for multiple years Hmm. about anything. Um, But especially during the winter, things get really bad with things that pop up. Well, I'm sure just coming back to around that time in Thanksgiving, that's probably a hard time for you. That, but also like skin and eye stuff. Oh, wow. With the change of weather. So one Mm. of the things that happened is all of my tear glands got scarred over from, um, from the disease. Yeah. And... Like my mouth, my gums got destroyed from the mm. disease. So anytime I go to like a dentist or when I went to go get like my eyes checked out yeah. because they'll get like bloodshot and mm. things like that because I don't produce really tears anymore. Yeah. Every time it's always, wow, in taking a look at your eyes, wow, these are things that we always read in textbooks, but we've <laughs> n- we never hope to actually see in real life. Hmm. Or when they look at my mouth or anything else, it's always just the worst of the worst stuff that pops up. But then you get into these seasons where it's like your eyes start to feel really dry. My hands where I lost most of my skin are usually really red because I Mm. lost layers upon layers upon layers. And then people ask, you know, what's going on with it, which it doesn't bother me a ton. But there's always just a reminder Hmm. of everything and just how much has changed. And it takes an effect on you. So yeah, a year, year and a half ago, I brought my Grove community that I was a part of into it and just let them know, here's what's going on. Let them speak truth into my Mm. life. I've now started asking for prayer for a lot of different things to receive breakthrough um, and have started to see really good results um, of just partnering with other people. So I love the verse in Galatians 6 that talks about bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the, the yeah. law of Christ. Hmm. And bringing other people in to help bear my burdens has been one of the best things hmm. ever 
because I've realized I just can't do it all on my own, get all the breakthrough, yeah, get people totally. praying for you, or just speaking truth into your life. We're not even. supposed to do it all alone. Exactly. We're not supposed to. Where do you feel like you are right now in terms of that emotional healing? Yeah, I feel like I'm making a lot of headway and I'm seeing a lot of good results from spending time diving into mm-hmm. it. I would say one of the areas that I've focused a lot on is the love of Christ. Mm. And that kind of goes back to one of the lies of just kind of believing that I didn't feel the Lord when I was in the hospital room. Mm. And so a lot of my emotional feelings, especially of like love with the Lord, most of it isn't on like an actual feelings perspective, Mm. more of just a theological perspective, if that makes sense. So I'm trying to make headway into that, which has been good, just because I don't just want it to be like, hey, I know you love me, but but sometimes not really, really feel it. Right. Where, you know, with my family or friends, it's like, I know that they love me. And it's not just a, like a statistic type thing of like, yeah, the the Lord loves you. Yeah. (laughs) So I feel like I'm actually making headway in that. That's awesome. And I feel like that is by far the most important area that I need to attack just because the love of the Lord is just so important goes into every area of your life and if we're supposed to love other people too it'd be good to just be in this healthy relationship where I just know that I'm loved and accepted by the Lord and it isn't based on things that I've done for him Mm. or things that I do and I know that I don't have to feel the Lord's love to know that he does love me. Yeah. And that's why one of my the verses that I spend a lot of time meditating on is greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for another. So and, good. And so it's when I so have good. sometimes some of these ups and downs, it's nice to know that Jesus, his death won't ever change. So that's yes. a constant love hmm. that won't ever change. Yep. But Paul also talks about that we would know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. Yeah. And so I feel like that's where I'm at right mm. now. Well, wow, praise God. I would, I'd be lying to say that I felt like I've had a major breakthrough, hmm. but I'm making headway. Yeah. And I feel really good about that. Wow, that's awesome. And so, yeah, I, I'd say that I'm continuing to journey through. A lot of yeah. great healing has come, uh, but there's definitely still a ways to go, which is totally fine. Which is, which is good because we're on a journey. Exactly. Yeah, we're on a journey to to sanctification to to redeeming all those areas yes that um and and i just love that this is a partnership yes. with with jesus this yes. is a partnership with the holy spirit he he's already done it he's already paid it all but we also have to come alongside because we have to do these we have to we have to live in this world and yep. trust other people and and involve community and so involve community and be vulnerable because i ooh, think that's, that's big be that's vulnerable a big one. yeah and I would say I sometimes have an easier time of doing that with other people, but for whatever reason, Mm. and it probably goes down to, again, one of the lies of maybe sometimes I just don't trust God, Yeah, which is, again, is just dumb, but... (laughs) Because he's trustworthy, (laughs) but I I struggle with that too. Exactly. It's like... Yeah, I struggle with that trust for sure. Why be vulnerable, you know, if I have some of these histories? Yes. And again, it all goes down to just lies that I that I'm believing. Yeah. Um, it's opening yourself up to potentially more, m- more hurt. Correct. Yeah. Which isn't necessarily something that I want to go through, but I know, right. can, but I know it can be healthy. 
Well, no, nobody, nobody wants that. Yes. Absolutely. Nobody wants that. And that's, that's almost like a natural response to try to close up, but, but not to God because we need to, we need to be open. Yes. And, and that's okay that for some people that that's a journey. Well, and the fact that he already knows everything. So sometimes when you think (laughs) about that, it's like he already knows everything that is going on. Why not just verbalize it to him? Because yeah. that does a lot of healing. But for whatever reason, I've made progress in that hmm. area as well too. Yeah. But that's been another area that has just held me back some. Well, he's he's also not afraid of our own emotions. Exactly. He's not afraid of even our anger towards him. Yes. And 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 I think I really do think that at times it's okay to just be angry and to express that to God. Yeah. Because. The opposite would be stuffing it and saying that that's not that's not there it's not real and and that's just going to come out in other in other ways in other areas but but he's big enough to handle it he is he's absolutely big enough to handle it so I'm sure that there were moments where you needed to express that anger towards God like where were you I didn't feel you there but then the truth comes in that he was there yes in in maybe not this way that you'd expected yes. But but he absolutely was. Exactly. And so if there's people that are listening to this, maybe you are sitting in a burn unit and maybe you maybe you're feeling like you are in just emotional, physical, spiritual torment. God is there. Yes. He is there. He is present with you. You're not alone. And and if you're believing that you are, that's a lie. Because the Holy Spirit is there. And sometimes it just takes a different perspective. It takes that 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 look from the other way. Maybe a, maybe a friend coming in to speak that truth to you. Maybe I'm that friend. You're not alone. And healing and restoration is available to us. And and it's something that God truly has already extended. Yes. Yeah. One other thing I would say to that is. Psalm 103 says to not forget any of the benefits of the Lord who Mm. forgives all our iniquities, who heals all all of our our diseases. diseases. So don't get down on diagnoses that either you give yourself doctors or whatever. I'm living proof that I was given less than 10 days to live. Yeah. And a week to two weeks after that diagnosis was given to me, I was back home, wow. not having to go back to the doctor. And why? Because God's power and God's love yes. is bigger than any sickness, any disease, Amen. anything that's going on. And so don't ever lose hope. Amen. Don't ever lose faith. Uh, God is such a loving God that he gave his son to take all of that away from us and he has his arms open wide for us to jump into him. Hmm, That's so good. That's so good. Thank you so much, Mark, for being here. I so appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to the Reclaimed podcast. For more information about reclaiming, visit reclaimed.com. That's R-C-L-A-I-M-E-D.com.